Hey, everybody, it's Howard and Randy back here with the BAT podcast. And today we have a special guest, Zach Beatty, here on our team. We are in BAT HQ right now. Um, Zach works on the customer service and curation side of BAT. He and Howard have viewed and reviewed and checked out uh, over 100,000 submitted cars now. So they kind of uh, hold that award together. We're stoked to have Zach here with us. He's a fixture in the BAT staff and community. Zach, thanks for joining us. Hey, yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, and Howard, I think uh, all three of us are going to talk about drives and road trips and distance covered in interesting vehicles. Um, we have some interesting stories for that. And I think that drives a lot of the BAT community in terms of buying cars, what's the intended use, what do you end up doing with them? And some of the best stories out there are from uh, not just driving around the block, right? Driving across the state, driving across the country, driving across the desert. And uh, there's all different ways to do that. So definitely want to uh, hear you guys and your experiences on that. And then we can, yeah, just kind of talk about what's maybe upcoming in our lives and what we want to be doing. No, I, I love this topic. And yeah, road trips. I mean, even if you don't identify as a car person or even care very much about cars, you can still love getting in the car and going on the road trip. So I think it's um, you know, very applicable to people listening and, and maybe people who aren't. Um, so we got a lot to go over today. I mean, types of cars, routes we've taken, cannonball runs, uh, everything in between. Um, so I think it's going to be pretty neat. Yeah. And Zach, I know that you've done a few long drives like this. You've done a few of them recently. You've done, you've bought cars like all, all of us have and brought them back to the BAT office and surprised everybody with them. Um, and yeah, we're just psyched to get your perspective on that. When you think distance drive or when you think road trip, like what's the kind of stuff that pops to mind right away? Oh man, out of state for sure, which I wish I had way more experience in doing. But I mean, seriously, Howard's the one that has all the incredible stories. I'm like total hobbyist compared to him. But yeah, I just got back from longest drive I've done, which was East Texas all the way back to Bay Area here. How many days? I split it up across five, but I mean, one was a two-day hang in Vegas, which needed to happen. So yeah, uh, that, those stories can be for uh, Podcast 12, potentially. Uh, but yeah, I mean, amazing. I'd never driven through Texas, only visited, and a huge fan of the way they drive out there. It was like the first time in my life I think I'm driving through the USA and People in the left lane immediately get over in the right, let you pass. That's not very California, is it? No, no. I don't. Do you think that civility comes just because everybody's armed out there, or is it <laughs> they're moving their F two fifty over out of the way for you, or Dude, what? The, what was the deal? The lifted truck scene is pretty ridiculous. It's like neon in your Chrome twenty fours. Um, yeah, definitely some rolling coal scene out there. Some twenty five hundred dualies. Um, but dude, everyone's super respectful. Everyone. Like you'll come up on someone, speed limit's 80, you're doing 85, they're hit right at the limit, they move right over with a wave, two lane highway with no divider, which I thought was really interesting at okay. 75. I feel like I probably sound like total California kid out here, just not used to that at all. But driving in Texas definitely felt distinct compared to California. What do you guys think? Have you driven in other states where it's felt? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's different everywhere. So that's a five dayer. Howard hit us with a couple of leaderboard uh, drives that you've done at distance. 
What have they been? Uh, yes, I will. I'm happy to do that, Zach. I want to come back to your trip because you were planning it right here in the BAT office and I was uh, peeking over your shoulder. Like an onion, it. man. We'll reveal it in layers. Um, I've, yeah, I've had the good fortune of doing a number of cross-country trips, probably 14 or 15. Um, most interesting to me was I never wanted to do the same route twice. Um, people say, you know, you're with your buddies or your girlfriend or where do you want to go? What you want to go to the Caribbean? You want to go on this exotification? And I think a lot of people don't realize how wonderful the United States is and how many truly awesome places uh, there are to be discovered. And one of the only ways to discover them is to get in the car and drive there because um, especially for folks like us who live in San Francisco or New York or other major cities um, and have a very urban lifestyle, I think a lot of people maybe don't uh, fully appreciate or have experienced the joy of uh, cruising around this fantastic country we live in. So, um, man, some of my, well, yeah, let me stop you there. And what, what are the joys you found? Um, I mean, like going back to the roots, like uh, one of my favorite was the far Northern route, specifically highway two, it straddles the Canadian border. Uh, That's two from Michigan down back into California. Uh, two basically goes from more or less Seattle to, uh, I don't know, Duluth, Minnesota. Um, and it's very, I was on two basically from Montana through North Dakota, spent the night that night in Dickinson, I think oh, it's South Dakota. Not you? a winter route. This is a summer route. Yeah, you no, did that in winter. Yeah. Not a lot of uh, Zagat raided restaurants in Dickinson. Uh, <laughs> there's some other stuff going on. Um, I'm sorry, what was the automobile? Uh, that was in college. I had a little 07 Subaru Impreza. So a number of these trips were kind of college, immediate post-college trips. Um, that car, uh, maxed out at about 124 and a half in fifth gear, turning about 5,800 RPMs. Um, this is all theoretical. That it's car, read yeah. on paper, right? <laughs> that car's a classic now too, right? I mean, we're selling those on BAT as collector's items now. Um, yeah, and beyond destinations, like I re personally really like super remote areas of the country. Um, one reason why I love the state of Nevada, um, one of the most remote places I have been is Highway 30, which is in the northwest corner of Utah. Um, and part of going on a road trip is like, you know, finding fast, straight roads with no one for 100 miles. And, you know, not that you have to go you know, hundred miles an hour. Although Zach, I know you've, uh, you did some high speed testing on the most recent trip. Actually, I wanted to ask you, you were, you did your Texas trip. I suggested that you, uh, stay in Marfa, yes. um, which I've never been to, but folks listening and maybe have been through there kind of a cultural oasis in West Texas, you might say. Um, I believe where, uh, James Dean filmed the movie giant in 55 or six. How was that? Yeah, Marfa, thanks for the rec, dude. It was awesome. I don't know if this was a little bit factors of the current world or not, but it felt a little bit no country for old men, but with an ironic mustache and like a hazy IPA. So a little <laughs> bit of that scene going on. It, uh, it was awesome. I mean, it was proper West Texas. Uh, Anton totally could have had that shootout with Lou Ellen and totally in this city center. But Dining was great. It felt like this funky little artist town just between, um, really, it's all the way on the western side of Texas. It's probably an hour, hour and a half out from El Paso, which is pretty much to the end. Um, so, yeah, funky. There was actually a cool car scene. There was a brand new Defender 110 with, like, full tent setup, off-road scene out there. 
uh, police were very active at the four-way stop sign in front of my hotel. So definitely behaved myself for uh, most of Marfa. But yeah, you, uh, if you ever find yourself driving across the entire state of Texas, can't recommend it enough. And did you have some long days? I think my record is uh, in a, 1,100 miles in a single day, which um, which is a lot. I'm sure people out there have done more. Uh, depends. It's like the old David E. Davis line. Uh, God doesn't punish you for miles driven before the sun rises. Um, so depending on how much uh, ground you want to cover, you do have to hit the road early. Um did you? I know you had a, you had a co-driver with you, or maybe oh, yeah. maybe wasn't as uh, maniacal about uh, a mileage per day as as you or I no. may have been. Co-driver wouldn't exactly be described as a riser, I think, with any position of the sun. So there was a lot of uh, late morning leaving, followed by sleeping in the car and early bedtime. But and you did some high speed runs in in the kind of late model Porsche you were driving, and I think uh, you told me that your co driver at one point you looked over and and you were not going slow and and she was just asleep. So no, I think I think an, yeah, Instagram was actively being pushed uh, onto the internet while I saw a high score on the trip for sure. So, but hey, man, I mean, late model Porsche, it's like a fifteen year old car. It's it's the perfect car for the receding hairline I'm going through right now. So. And, you know, there's something, and, and, and Randy knows about this, uh, you know, we all are very comfortable in, I, I love being in the car for long periods of time. And, you know, the car is just a great place, like conversations happen. And, you know, on a road trip, you're sitting there with your driver for, you know, 10 hours a day or 72 hours a week, uh, if you're on the road. And uh, I've had some good road trips with my dad. Randy, I know you've, uh, you've done a number of similar stuff. Uh, what, what stands out to you in your well, I mean, some of them have been, you know, you harken back to like family road trips, right? I mean, we had a W123 um, 300 TD wagon that my folks dragged us all over the place in, right? Driving that thing state to state, going skiing in the snow in that car. So I think of long trips in that because I was probably an impatient kid and we were covering miles all over the place and that thing maxed out at whatever, 64 miles an hour, right? So everything kind of took forever. But um, but yeah, I mean, fast forward to me driving, um, I think, yeah, there's both the events component, right? Like I, I actually do this as like a holiday, like go on drives, like intentionally. Some people have to drive to get to the airport or have to drive to get to the, you know, resort. They can kick their feet up. Like when I'm at the resort, I want to get in the car and like go cruise around and explore. Right. So, uh, that's a weird DNA component of me. And yeah, like you said, it, it maybe it comes from the family, like, these events, whether uh, it's in the desert Southwest or whether it's to national parks, um, it is oftentimes with my dad and yeah, and you're in the car and okay, so there's going to be seven hours in the car today. That's a long time. Um, I can't hold up a conversation for seven hours. So you, you know, you go through some quiet zones, right? Where you're just kind of in your head and, you know, listening to the engine that's hopefully running right. And then you, you know, something crazy will happen and it'll spur some crazy conversation that'll last an hour and you don't even know where that hour goes. Or you have some gas stop and the, you know, the weirdos cruising around the gas station become the subject matter for the rest of the afternoon. I think Howard's got a couple of stories on those weirdos. There's weirdos out there, right? But I mean, it's, it's so cool. I was, I was uh, actually listening to another podcast about uh, a guy who's sort of creative, running a company and creative. And he's talking about how you like fill up the tank, right? You can't just be creative have no experiences and then try to try to, you know, either lead people or come up with cool product or do anything. You got to get out and have the experiences that then dictate 
you know, what kind of, what kind of things you stand for. So that I, I love this sort of refill your own personal, um, sort of invigoration around seeing things I've never seen. So um, Howard talked about highway two, right? What are some of your favorite experiences that you've had or favorite roads you've driven? Um, some of them would be like things everybody's always heard of, right? Like the famous windy roads, right? Like you talk about whatever highway one in California, or you, you talk about, you know, tale of the dragon stuff, which I haven't done, but I've done some sort of adjacent to there near road Atlanta on what road that was that BAT trip, um, from Tennessee down to Georgia. There's this amazing, uh, run along the Chattahoochee river through the national forest and stuff. Got to do that with a bunch of old cars. Um, and then, yeah, going through, you know, going to the Sun Road through um, Glacier National Park, um, you know, there's there's so many roads, roads around Oregon, you'd never think maybe Oregon as driving country, but it's so wet there, it actually reminds me of Germany quite a bit, hmm. where I've spent some time and gotten to drive. And yeah, and then you can talk about like European roads, which are absolutely next level from a from an engineering standpoint, which is a, a passion area of mine. So yeah, so many roads, some that you would expect, but then, you know what? I mean, I've been crisscrossing I-80 from here to sort of Colorado quite a few times in my life, which is like a, a dead zone stretch through mm -hmm. Nevada. You pass the penitentiaries and it has the sign that says, do not pick up hitchhikers. And it's just like, I mean, that is sort of resetting in a way, you know, just kind of desert open road it looks like a painting right with the like road that disappears over the horizon and um that for me um is mixed up with this whole why i like cars thing because it's just like get out there and you know point it and look at the map and figure out where you're going to go and it's really invigorating that seems like perfect chrysler road to me uh, i'm a little curious not to say you're old at all but you've lived many years i would say in a short amount of time how have your just sort of automotive tastes for longer drives changed over the years? I know you had that TII you stood rip around in back in the day. Now you're on the Chrysler on the going to the Sun Rally. Pretty yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, I'm 43. People can look that up. It's not. I'm not. I'm not totally ancient, but I'm getting up there. But yeah, so I own a 50s car. So I think that kind of makes me like the old dude now. But um, yeah, anyhow, I mean, there's. I mean, I bought the Chrysler first off just because we were saying we were going to the Grand Canyon and we said, what's the coolest car to drive to the Grand Canyon in? And so bought a big 50s, you know, tail fin car that's been a ton of fun with a Hemi in it. But yeah, I like, you know, momentum cars or I like off-road stuff. You can talk about that too, right? Like the whole oh, yeah. Overland universe. Those, I think a lot of the dream there is that people just kind of want to cut loose and go get away from anything tying them down so they'd like build these crazy vehicles and go like want to go to monument valley like everybody on instagram right so there's um there's different motivators that different folks have but for me i um i can kind of do it solo but i'm more of a sort of social driver like what you did with a passenger i would rather have a passenger there i would mm. rather have you guys in the car with me than me like go drive through Nevada by myself. I don't do a lot of solo driving, but I know people that do because it's like a totally get away from it all and like have nobody around. I, if I'm solo in my car, I want to be lead follow with some other cars and go have some fun that way. Uh, but that changes for everybody, right? And I think we see that in the BAT community, right? Like some people are, uh, you know, absolutely crazy and just racking up miles on these cars going all over the place. And some people are the polar opposite, right? They buy the car because their favorite thing ever is like, you know, cleaning 
brake calipers or whatever. And that's like their, their uh, way they spend their Saturdays, right? And there's no wrong way. But what we're talking about is the three of us really resonate on adding miles. And I, I always think that brings really cool stories up. How do people? But no, Randy, what you said earlier was so perfectly articulated. There's this whole non-automotive uh, topic here. And it's really, you know, adventure and, and whatever you get out of that. Uh, and it's, you know, inspiration in your life. And uh, whether you like cars or not, uh, kind of what I opened with, that's something that I think everyone really, uh, uh, you know, can really appreciate. As far as my taste, Zach, uh, it's funny to think like driving old cars a long distance as, and we've talked about this kind of in, in past podcasts, like as, as time marches on, like if you hopped in a 70 year old car to drive it across country, you hop in your 52 XK 120, like that's a, that's a bigger adventure now than it was 30 years ago. Um, it's aided by technology and cell phones and all that. But uh, man, like my Kate, like, Get, get me a 2019 Escalade. That's that's where my case are evolving for a road trip. Nice, um, you would have fit right in in Texas. Uh, my most memorable trip uh, was with my dad. I was coming back from uh, from University of Michigan. He had bought in Detroit a 1949 Hudson Commodore. Uh, sort of a step down body style. Wow, deep uh, cut. Deep you, cut there. Alan's listening. That's Alan's all over 49 step down Hudson. Um, he had picked it up and the plan was we were going to drive across country. And man, that was, I think he handed over the wheel to me, like outside of Chicago and, you know, talk about baptism under fire, never driven this thing before. That's the type of car where you do a lot of steering, driving straight down the road. Um, and, uh, those old Hudson's like the dashboard looks like a, like a pre-war airplane. Like it's pretty cool. Um, crazy stories from that trip. Uh, was in the emergency room in North Platte, Nebraska. I guess I, uh, at the end of the spring semester, maybe had said goodbye to too many girlfriends and had a horrible case of strep throat mm. um, the day before. And I said, you know, hey, dad, you know, I, I think I have strep throat or something. You know, my, um, you know, not too comfortable over here. I said, oh, no, it's fine. You know, we're certainly not stopping for your medical issue. Like, we got to get down the road. You know, I got to be home by Saturday. We're driving a 49 Hudson. We're only averaging 58 miles an hour. Um, made it to North Platte. It was clear that my strep throat needed uh, immediate antibiotic attention. Went to the, got the meds, got the whatever, the Vicodin in the morning, and then we hit the road. What was the ER like out there? Uh, I guess maybe not ER. Yeah, I guess it was the ER. I don't know. It was, it was, I was in and out 45 minutes, you know, got my strip and I was, you know, very happy to have the relief. And I looked at my dad, I said, you know, I'm, you know, going to take these Vicodin now and I hope you're good to drive for a while. And he said, yeah, yeah, no problem. And sure enough, a couple hours later, two hours later, he says, you know, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm kind of tired, which meant I'm tired. You're driving now. So anyways, this is, this is going off in the weeds here, but yes, had an interesting uh, few hours uh, driving the Hudson that day. Nice. The fact that you're telling us the story today shows that you made it back just fine. So I'm glad you survived. So I think Howard touched on an interesting point. You said 1100 is your basically high score for single day. Mine's nowhere near that impressive. I did Bay Area to Seattle, which is around 800 single distance. What is yours, Randy? Oh, man. That's a good question. I think um, it was actually most recently I was a total masochist, according to my friends, and we got a van with my whole family in Europe and drove um, from country to country to country. It was 
the equivalent of a Mercedes Metris in nice. the U.S. Oh, yeah. But it has a different name over there. I'm forgetting what it was. It's getting hazy. This was probably five years ago now, four or five years ago. Um, but anyway, we had numerous delays. So I don't know if we won on uh, mileage, but we may have won on duration, how long we were driving. Okay. <laughs> I got I to gotta pull up maps here right in front of me and figure out how far we went. But we drove from uh, from Paris, France to deep into Italy in a pretty circuitous, non-sort of direct mountainous sort of route that took a really long time. And we were, that was our longest day of the whole, whole trip, which had several long hauls. But in the U.S., I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think, you know, 10, 11 hour stretches happen from from time to time, um, going back and forth across the Western states, but I, I don't have it down to the, to the miles like Howard does. He's got that kind of logged in his brain. Yeah. He prompted me to look, I think eight Oh five is what I'm at. So sounds like I'm in last place at the table. Well, and, and part of this whole thing, which is a generational thing is like knowing how to read a map and love it. I love maps. And like, how did people do these crazy trips, especially when you get into a big city? If you don't know where you're going, no phone. Like it sounds kind of dumb to uh, uh, wonder about that, but it, it ain't easy. I remember uh, when I graduated high school, my brother graduated college. The kind of joint graduation gift uh, our parents got us was um, they said, "We're gonna, you know, send you to Europe, and you're gonna rent a car for three weeks and you know go wild." And we did like 3,500 miles, 3,500 around Western Europe. Um, this is 06. So yeah, pre iPhone. And that's kind of where my comment came from. Like, I'm just thinking back, like, what did we do? And we showed up in wherever Marseille or Heidelberg, like you just kind of figured it out. It was, you know, again, it goes back to the whole adventure component, but, uh, yeah, we're talking about driving around, uh, the U S but yeah, Euro road trips, uh, are so, are so wonderful. You just did such a beautiful job defining whole different, uh, populations. You have pre-iPhone, which I think people will totally separate into two categories and maybe a post-map we could throw in there as well. <laughs> just like, yeah, yeah. I love using paper maps. I mean, yeah. we still, um, you know, on these on these rallies that we do, they typically give you a route book. None, none, I don't know, maybe you guys know some of the rallies that are savvy enough to give you full digital, you know, capability. But most of them hand you like a route book, kind of old school style, or less, they hand you like a rumor, right? Like they hand you like, you know, here's a here's a bagel and here's our endpoint and like go figure it out. And sometimes you know? less than that, they hand you a route book that's wrong and you yeah. gotta figure out the end destination. Totally, they'll hand you like all the mistakes that you're probably going to make. And yeah, so I, I think I think that that sort of challenge and interest is super cool. And many of those, uh, Howard, you can talk about this in terms of route planning. Maybe we'll talk about that next. But many of these cool events that I, man, I can't wait to get back to that. They're just starting to open up now because of, because of lockdown. Um, you know, you're, you're out there often you're in no cell phone land anyway. So you're, if you're like one of these people that are like, I solve all problems with my iPhone, it's like you're hosed. Cause there's no, there's no good option for that when you're going, you know, down the Platte river Valley or whatever, and you got no, uh, external capability or, or digital um, feed. So, I, and I actually love that. You're a little bit flying blind, right? Like there goes, there goes the guy in the Porsche, like across the wrong way. And you're like, I'm not following that dude. And then, you know, you find somebody else you can hook up with and they, oh, that person's got a great navigator in their car. Let's just follow them and chase them. Um, some of that sort of stuff um, where you don't really know how the day is going to unfold. 
I love all that. I feel like, yeah, we don't get very much of that just in general in life now. And I find, especially with those rallies and solo drives, like you were talking about, that's one of the few times I personally can just completely unplug because you have to drive, you have to pay attention to the road. All of your appendages are occupied doing a task. So you're not staring at your phone. You're not answering emails. And that like moment of Zen, I think is really what I get out of distance road trips, having a sustained eight hour break of not having to worry about anything digital is pretty fantastic, even more so on those events you're describing. Yeah, for sure. It, it, it fills the tank for me, but Howard, what would you say about, I know when you were planning, you know, the, the era of the California melee and, and different routes and all that sort of stuff, a lot of thought on events goes into that, but is that to get us from point A to point B, or is that to craft some sort of experience for the participant that takes them out of their comfort zone a little bit, maybe? Well, what you said, I mean, part of the romance and the challenge is uh, is kind of the low-tech analog nature of it. I mean, old cars are low-tech and uh, going on a rally, um, especially, you know, the driver's events that we like, uh, you know, it's not a wine and cheese tour. So you do have to find your way, uh, you know, to each day's destination. And, you know, it's kind of like the first rule of vintage rallying is never follow the guy in front of you. Um, so, yeah. I think we all appreciate, you know, a nice uh, iPhone app and uh, technology can be very helpful. But um, yeah, that's that's part of the romance for me. So uh, yeah, planning events. I mean, you want to, you know, design a route that uh, makes both driver and co-driver happy. So you know, you want to uh, give them good miles, but you also don't want to uh, kill them and kick them in the teeth. And especially in old cars, you have to account for. Um, you know, breakdowns and reliability and the fact that your average rate of speed is, is probably not going to be the same as if you were in a modern car. Um, like Randy said, I mean, if, if you really want to go out and, and uh, go on an adventure and find good roads, you're going to be in areas where there's no cell phone reception. And, you know, if you do have a problem, um, hopefully there's someone behind you coming up the rear that's going to help you out. But um, yeah, there's no guarantees in this stuff, you know. Uh, and that's, I think, part of why we like it, because, uh, you know, it is a challenge and uh, there is kind of that uh, risk of the unknown that that driving old cars uh, always presents. Yeah, no guarantees and not even a Dodge Grand Caravan support vehicle on some of the events Randy's talking about. <laughs> Zero support, right? Like, who knows? You find the local farmer to help you out. But um, yeah, and I think it's worth giving some context to some folks. Some folks who are listening know very, very well that Howard's involved uh, and his family is involved with the California Melee and started that event. Um, and um, that he and his brother now um, have, uh, you know, planned that event and how it's grown over the past number of years. And that, uh, event is continuing to evolve and it's coming up here soon and Howard will be on it. And it's, it's always been just sort of such a cool thing that we've had Howard on the staff here at BAT because of that history, that family history, and that just hands-on capability, um, that he has for both events and people on the event and the types of cars that have passed through that event. Obviously, I've always been super cool. So how, how many years has the Melee been going on? This is what year? This will be the, the 30, 31st year, depending on how you uh, factor in the canceled COVID year. But uh, yeah, like what, what I was saying earlier, and, and uh, thanks for bringing that up. Um, you know, in the first year of the Cal Melee in 1991, the average age of a car on the event was call it 30, 32 years old. You know what's 32 years old now nsx right yeah um and now you know that car is is 60 plus years old so uh 
you know, the guys that drove a pre-war car in the 90s, well, it's probably no wonder that the amount of pre-war cars on the event and, and any of these events today, um, you know, is a smaller and smaller amount. Like you have to be a real, uh, you know, sadomasochist to, uh, you know, drive a blower Bentley or a Type 35 Bugatti a thousand miles on, on twisty roads. Uh, it's funny, even like, even like driving a convertible, for example, like you drive a Cobra or a XK120 or whatever versus a closed car, at the end of the day, like you're beat up, uh, you know, whether it's sunny or rainy, like uh, it's just funny to think about uh, how taxing driving old cars can be versus, I don't know, I guess, I guess people got beat up when they drove around in the 60s and 70s too. But uh, you know, something that, that I'm always uh, thinking about uh, because, you know, we like doing all this stuff. And remind us what car you're taking this year. Uh, this year, me and my brother are driving a uh, Giulietta Spider Veloce Alpha. Yeah, speaking of open cars, you ready for a beating? Uh, yeah, we, we may have the top up for some amount, um, but of course the top, uh, you know, it keeps the sun out, but, you know, a good a good alpha top, as they say, keeps out about 60% of the of the elements. Uh, uh, yeah, but that, that's, an easy, that's an easy car. That's an easy car to sit in for, uh, for a day, for a week. What do you guys think about people buying cars on VAT that have this in mind, that they're going to go put a ton of miles on them. You think people are, I mean, obviously we sell some of these bananas examples with, you know, 12 miles on a, on a S 2000 or whatever. Right. Like there's some cars that are, uh, they're like decorative on some level, but I'm always stoked, right? We get the stories. Many of the success stories are like, hey, I'm, I'm flying in and I'm going to pick this car up and I'm going to drive it home. I've never laid eyes on the car. And, and a lot of rational people would be like, you're a maniac. That doesn't make any sense, right? But some people do that over and over again. It's like how they spend their uh, weekends and they, they like orient their purchase around like where they want to go, right? Like you pick the town, then you pick the car sort of thing. Um, do you think, yeah, just how, how do you think the minds of these folks are working that are buying cars on BAT? There's obviously all kinds, but particularly those with the mindset that they're buying it to really drive it and add miles. What do you, what sort of stories have you seen or, or, uh, thoughts do you have on that crowd? Man, I'm big on the whole, uh, experience oriented movement. I think there's people that are just wanting to acquire an object. And then there's people that want to like use that object just for life experience. And that's really what you're getting at there. So for me personally, commuting through toll plaza every morning, like the coolest cars to see are the guy in the blue 2002 that's gridded up next to me with my AC blasting and radio and nav. Like if anything, it makes me feel insecure. I'm like, oh man, I got to start commuting in an older car so I can live up to everything I'm doing each day. But yeah, I think that's an awesome point. Uh, event eligibility and really the question, what can you do with it? I think is fueling a lot of people's purchases in general um, and all the better for it, in my view. We ask that sometimes, Howard, about race cars, right? You're like, what are you going to do with that car, right? What are you going to do with that Clabber Girl v- V6 swapped NASCAR thing that sold this week? That was a totally bizarre uh, uh, race car that like needed some work and then you figure out go- where to go run it. But for street cars, but the graphics were perfect, right? You bought that car because of the awesome period livery, which I think everyone appreciated. I thought it was amazing. I I, uh, I was watching that one and, and dialoguing with some friends when it sold, and we all said we should have bought it. But the, um, yeah, just the mentality in terms of um, the stories we hear, and I love hearing more of them, and we try to 
foster more people giving us the story of like, what are you going to do with this car? Where's it going to go? Like, what the heck happened to that uh, SUV that was purchased? Or what happened to that 65 K code fastback? Like, where is that thing? Um, and I always love keeping an eye out and updating stories and that sort of thing. But what do you think, Howard, about, yeah, people that are buying and where they're using stuff and what's going on with all the cars bought on BAT? I mean, I think some subset of people want the the full and immediate ownership experience for a car that they've rusted after for a long time, and and doing the road trip when you buy it is the perfect way to do it. I mean, we uh, most recently published a success story of a guy who bought uh, an MGB in Florida and drove it back to Michigan, and I just pulled it up, and he he did a great write up. But uh, I think this summarizes the uh, the right mentality. Knowing the car was recently assembled and had hardly completed any miles, uh, I wanted to start out easy. Uh, anyways, I still bought a one-way ticket and, and planned to drive it 1,500 miles. Um, but it's, it's a personality thing too, right? And there's some people that we talk about on, on some of these other, some of these other uh, pods. I mean, what you want to do with cars and how you want to use and enjoy them is, is wide-ranging and to each their own. But, you know. We're, we're the type of guys, and a lot of people on BAT they want to they want to hop in the car and 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 do a cannonball run. And uh, part of that is is mechanical sympathy and and you know having the right attitude, obviously. But yeah, Randy, I mean, if you hopped in something, you would you know bring a little uh, uh, road trip toolkit, and you'd have a reasonable amount of confidence to fix something you know fairly basic to to more severe if it broke, but. Um, you know, that's, you know, obviously a component of driving old cars, long distances is, uh, understanding that, uh, hundred percent reliability is, is, you know, probably not part of the equation. Yeah. That plus I ruin everything I touch. So bring that AAA card. Uh, but that's just personal experience on my end. Randy, I want to throw the same question back to you. What do you think of it all? Um, I, I mean, I think that, um, I think that people's phones in their pocket and the ease at which you take interesting photos these days, the whole Instagram and, and social media upswell has given people a lot of eye candy to say, I want to do that, right? I mean, people ask all the time, like, why are these cars selling for so much money? And why are, you know, why are vintage Broncos selling for so much absurd cash, right? And it's true. I mean, you just look at it. I mean, the, the data is there right in front of you every day uh, on, on BAT and elsewhere. And I think there's just a lot of um, just sort of visual stimulus of like you're telling these stories. My mind's eye goes to trying to imagine, you know, you in the whatever, in the ER in some small town or you in Marfa, Texas or what these two lane roads are like or what, you know, um, mapping that on. And I think that's desirable for a lot of folks, right? And I think that that's how um, that sort of visual nature of cars and travel uh, intersect. I mean, there's like a food element, right? The crazy stuff you're eating when you're in these faraway places. There's a uh, sort of vacation reset sort of element. There's an adventure element. There's a nostalgia element, right? I was dragged around in the uh, station wagon. So now I like like that feeling of, uh, you know, the wind going past the windows. Um, I mean, all these things um, intersect in a way that I think it's true for us, but everybody has their individual flavor of that. And so they end up browsing on BAT and 
um, I, I just love to tell the real authentic story and follow up with those stories on BAT because that's inspiring for me too, right? Like hearing the guy that drove an MGB from Florida to Michigan, I'm like, dang, I haven't done a road trip in a couple months. Like I'm falling behind, right? It's like your, uh, it's like your toll plaza experience. You're like, wait a minute, that guy's, that guy's like living and I'm, you know, sitting here on my email. What am I doing? So it's time to, you know, bust out the map and, and find a car or get one of my cars running and, and go do stuff. So I think that resonates with folks in a, in a positive way. There's a lot of like, whatever social media, like lusting after pictures of, you know, fantasies of, of phony stuff. But I think there's, uh, I think there's some genuineness to that, that I actually do respect when it gets somebody to, to, uh, figure out how to get outdoors, figure out how to, you know, clear their head and shake things up a little bit. And to Howard's earlier point, figure out how to see all the cool things that are around you, right? There's a, a lot of positivity that can come from, getting over the horizon line and figuring out what's over there. And, uh, and I think that's super cool. And I respect it when people do that. I think one reason why you had mentioned some of the cars and that the market is super strong for them and seems to be ever growing and increasing. I think a lot of these Restomod type builds, Broncos and Rovers and stuff like that. Um, I think with, you know, with modern drivetrains and, and upgrades, I think a lot of the interest in that in part is I think a lot of people view those as kind of an alternative to a modern daily driver. Uh, like what Randy said, you can, you can have all the coolness and nostalgia of driving a car you think is really neat uh, without the uh, reliability unknowns that, that old cars uh, uh, present to us. So um, I think that uh, that aspect is a big driver of the market. And, and on BAT, we see, I mean, we're, um, you know, we try to, Zach and I try to pick the most interesting stuff that comes through and, and, uh, you know, modifications and build can often be very personalized as they should be. Um, but I think I really get that market and why people, um, why people pay up for really well done cars, because, uh, there is kind of this blue sky, I got what I want and, and I can drive this thing every day or drive it across the country tomorrow and do so, uh, you know, really confidently. So I get it. I, I love, I love all that stuff. Yeah. I think well said, Howard, there's like a major difference of adding disc brakes to an early Bronco. It doesn't really take away from the experience. And then, you know, some other, the, uh, maybe a more nineties fuzzy dice era resto mods that we see, I think are a little less usable and uh, could be less described as an upgrade in the current day, but well said all around. Well, I do think, and my dad was a big drum break guy. He made these bumper stickers in the nineties and gave them to all his friends. And, and they said, peace and prosperity with drum breaks. And his whole thing was, if everyone learned how to drive with drum breaks, the world would be a more civil, respectful place. And there is a lesson in there. Um, so I agree, disc breaks uh, have their advantages, but um, going back to, you know, learning life lessons and all the non-automotive aspects of playing with cars. Uh, Zach, you got, you got the gears turning for me when you mentioned drum brakes. But, oh yeah. We uh, got to revive those bumper stickers, dude. Yeah, I start I, selling those again. So we got a few boxes in the shop. Well, how many, how many do you want? Um, but yeah, no, there, there's something there. Yeah, I agree. So cool. Yeah, those are uh, a lot of different stories on that front and an interesting tie into what people are buying and selling on BAT. Um, I'm always looking forward to new events, new adventures. Love hearing it out of the BAT community, uh, but also try to rile up our team here. You know, I mean, 
Howard's going on his event in a, in a couple of weeks. I'm excited to start signing up for some. We've talked about, you know, designing our own and, and we've, we've uh, had some BAT alumni gatherings and getting people together. And, um, you know, with so many cars going through the site, so many great cars and trucks going through the site, uh, we want to do more and more to see these out on the road. One of the coolest things ever is when you spot a BAT car out on the road in the wild, right? If you ever get to do that, it's a, it's used to be a really rare occasion. Now at, at places like Monterey and, and other track events and stuff, you tend to be like, oh, that was a BAT car. But before seeing one out on the road was a, like a milestone moment when I started seeing a few out and about and started text, texting friends and staffers and saying, look at this, this was sold, you know, two and a half years ago on BAT. I remember the wheels, but that sort of stuff, seeing them in the wild is important and is part of our DNA and is part of the community's DNA. So I, yeah, all the, all the listeners out there, we just want your guys' suggestions, your guys' stories about where you've been. Um, and, uh, you know, that's where stuff like the, the Sludjo series has come from and Cobus's photos from the track and all those, you know, people just kind of reach out and say, that story resonated with me. And so I think the community like this. So we love that sort of um, connection that we get with the community. Would you guys agree with that? Oh, 100%. I think we ought to make longest distance traveled for success story an award end of year. I love that. I love the end of year awards and would always love to expand on that and, you know, give people more visibility and more high fives for doing that sort of thing. Nova Scotia to LA, you're going to win. <laughs> right now you're calling yeah, that that's the winning route i think so unless someone's going to chile to alaska that's maybe the other route you could take oh man we i mean we didn't even touch too much on like dreams of the next ones maybe we ought to hit that before we sign off what's what's the what's drives that we haven't done that we want oh, to you go clearly with? have one in mind oh, i mean there's like i have 50 in mind but i mean you mentioned that um, Gentry, the, the bat co-founder and i always used to look at pictures of yeah south america the the like equivalent of the salt flats, the huge like open desert country that's down there um, that you can drive. You can actually rent four-wheel drives. We looked into it. You can rent four-wheel drive land cruisers and drive across and do some amazing stuff. That would be like mind-bending. Um, and um, yeah, I, we mentioned it on a previous podcast, but my other dream is uh, Alaska and back. I'd like to go do that. Co-driver, who do you pick? And I don't know who'd be willing, somebody who brings, you know, mosquito spray, whoever will do that, like we'll uh, take them with and I got to figure out what the car would be. But yeah, all of those. I mean, I, I would love to do it, you know, I don't know, with uh, with buddies. I'd love to do it with you guys. I'd love to do it with my dad. I'd love to do it with my wife if she would put up with a long road trip like that in, in terrible uh, conditions. But uh, there's so many options. Yeah, you'd say pick one. I mean, I got I got way too many. Yeah, no, we, uh, we've kicked around the idea, obviously, of doing a number of uh, BAT events. We've now done a few of these alumni gatherings, and we love the people in the community that have taken those as an opportunity to come from very far away to come to a, an alumni gathering event. We've done here in California, uh, Road America, Road Atlanta. Uh, we're going to do one uh, in Indianapolis in the fall. Uh, some more info uh, coming on that in the coming weeks and months. Uh, we like Indy not only because the museum and the Speedway are awesome and we have a, a cool relationship with them, but um, there are so many community members in places like Chicago and Louisville and Tennessee and Ohio. And uh, we have yet to do um, a cool BAT event that 
uh, kind of serves that region of our uh, of our community. So um, I fully expect that event. There will be people that come uh, from near and far, and, and certainly a few that uh, take it as an opportunity to hop in a car they they bought on VAT and and uh, put put a couple hundred miles behind the wheel to uh, to come join us. So that'll be neat. Agreed. Cool. Well, great being with you guys today, Zach. Awesome to have you. Hey, thanks again. We yeah, want to have you back as much as possible. You don't have to fly to Texas to get an invite on the BAT nice. podcast. New York, to, New York to LA wants to be my next one, I think. Ooh, probably. that would be a good one. Um, yeah, anyway, there'll be many more and many more stories to share. So thanks for joining us, and we'll see you on the next podcast.